Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com. And by Hancock Whitney. Hancock Whitney is here for families, here for businesses, here for communities during this challenging time. Visit HancockWhitney.com slash COVID-19 for the latest. And by... Shorten Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas. From our socially distanced virtual lunch table in Baton Rouge, we're out to lunch with Stephanie Regal, editor of the Baton Rouge Business Report. It's business, Baton Rouge style. Hi, I'm Stephanie Regal. Welcome to Out to Lunch. Necessity is the mother of invention, so the old saying goes, and while it might be a quaint adage, it's as true today as ever. Whether it's brewing a better homeopathic cough syrup or designing duck hunting garb for female duck hunters, local entrepreneurs are building successful startups around products that the market was crying out for. Joining me today to discuss this is Andrea Layerly, a Baton Rouge-based entrepreneur who has created an online and retail nutraceutical business, Andy Lynn's Pure and Custom Formulary. The company started in 2010 in Andrea's kitchen when she began making her own version of elderberry syrup, which is known for its cold and flu-fighting properties. In the years since, Andy Lynn's Pure and Custom Formulary has expanded into a variety of homeopathic and natural remedies that are sold not only online, but in more than 150 retail locations in eight states. It's an impressive story for an entrepreneur who has previously worked as a massage therapist, an instructor at Clarion University in Oil City, Pennsylvania, and the co-founder and organizer of a health food co-op. Andrea, such a great story and great company. Thanks for being here today. Thank you for having me. And bringing samples for us to try. Joining me in Andrea is Emily Deegan, a local entrepreneur whose company St. Hugh makes functional and fashionable clothing for women who like to duck hunt. Emily herself is a duck hunter and was frustrated by ugly camouflage suits that didn't fit properly. So she created her own line in 2015 and named it after St. Hubertus, an eighth century bishop who is the patron saint of hunting and one of the first advocates of humane hunting. Today, her company has grown to include not just duck hunting gear, but fishing and hiking-oriented products as well, all of which are sold online. Emily is a native of New Orleans who majored in German and worked as a consultant for Deloitte & Touche before venturing out on her own. Emily, cool story. Thank <laughs> you. Thanks, Thanks for, for joining us. Well, Andrea, let me start with you, because the story behind Andy Lind, you were coming off of a bad cold yourself, a bad cold and flu season. The elderberry syrup had helped you, and so you decided to to do this on your own. What, what made you want to make your own? We were practicing a more self-reliant, self-sufficient type of a lifestyle. We were living, um, it, we had a nice sized garden. A friend of mine had taught me how to make um, strawberry jam. And so I got into pickling things and canning things and preserving things. Um, I had three little kids. I was a stay-at-home mom, so I had a lot of time in the kitchen. My husband worked two jobs. He did prison ministry on the weekends, and we had one car. So <laughs> I <laughs> so you was stuck in the house. I was in the house, and so I just made the most of it and learned how to make my own bread and make my own spaghetti sauce and make my own whatever. Oh, that's wonderful. And I thought, you know what? I think I can make this. Let me let me uh, take a whack at it. And there was 
recipes and things on the internet that I found and kind of did in my own way, uh, but turned out well and it tasted good. And it really works. It really works. I have so many people who will come to me and tell me, Andrea, you're helping my family so much. My favorite story is my friend whose um, family physician called her on the phone and asked her if she moved because they hadn't seen her in about nine months. And they said, you know, did you move away? She said, no, we just started using Andy Lynn's elderberry syrup so we don't have to come and see you anymore. Wow. <laughs> That's great. That's really great. Okay, I'm, I'm going to want you to explain to me what it is about elderberries and, and how we know about these homeopathic recipes and how they actually work. But, Emily, I want to bring you into the conversation here a little bit about what motivated you to get started because you were a, a devoted duck hunter, but, I mean, you had a day job, right? I mean, sure. you were in the office, and uh, next thing you know, you're designing your own hunting gear. That's exactly right. So from a very young age, I was duck hunting with my dad. He, um, growing up, was always an avid hunter who took both my sister and myself hunting with him on the weekends. Um, from a young age, you know, we definitely noted that we were pretty much the only kids in the hunting <laughs> party and always the only women. Yeah. Um, so we had a really hard time finding apparel that fit right and felt good, much less looked good. And for us, it was all about finding something functional and to the extent that we could make it fashionable with the thought being that, you know, hopefully at some point other kids like us would would look and see other people wearing this fashion forward hunting apparel out in the world and kind of associate it not so much as being a man's only sport, but also something that women can do and be feminine while they're doing it, be comfortable while they're doing it, and um, love the sport as much as you know I did and my sister did certainly. So, um, so I like you said, I worked for Deloitte. Um, I was actually living in Chicago at the time. And while I was learning a lot there, I had always, you know, in the back of my mind had this dream, this goal of um, starting this company that would def that would design the type of apparel that, you know, I just described. And um, at a certain point, I just kind of decided that if I didn't quit my day job and try to make a go of it, it was probably it was never, never going to happen. So that's what I did, and that's kind of how I got into the entrepreneurship community. And, and who funded your early venture? How did you afford so, to quit your job and do this? So I self-funded, and I moved back in with my parents that's great. Um, while I got it off the ground. Now, you mentioned wearing your garb out in the world. Are you wearing a, a, a vest right now that's a hunting vest? Because it looks very stylish. I am. Thank you. Yes, I'm wearing one of our best-selling products. It's um, our shooter's vest. It's made in what we like to call a marsh print, which we differentiate from camouflage based on the fact that it doesn't look like your traditional camouflage. It's actually made in a herringbone style yeah. um, that while it emulates kind of the ups and downs of the blades of grass in the marsh, um, it's a more functional, fashionable print that you know, is more conducive to everyday wear. So interesting. Well, Andrea, I wanted to go back to the elderberry thing. Um, what is it about elderberries that, that helps fight the symptoms? Is it, does it really just fight the symptoms of cold and flu, or does it attack the virus that makes you sick? Elderberries have a certain quality to them that um, provides anthocyanins and polyphenols. So we have now scientific research. There are stacks of PubMed studies on the activity of black elderberry inside your body. It's the anthocyanins specifically that affect 
viruses, um, but they also affect your cell walls. So anthocyanins protect your cell walls from damage. They put like a shield around your cells, and they actually show to break the legs off of viruses. So wow. when viruses come into your body, they can't attach and they can't multiply. Um, the one of the research studies that was published gave a elderberry and a placebo the people who took the elderberry report 93 percent of those people reported recovery within the first two to three days versus six days for the placebo group and that um, was evidenced by the fact that the virus can't replicate when it comes into the body while the elderberry is protecting your cells. So I break it down into pretty simple terms. I tell people that elderberries are like Chuck Norris because they break the legs <laughs> off of viruses. And so it's an easy way to remember. It's a good metaphor. It's actually uh, studied. It's actually studied and proven. So why are we not all eating elderberries all the time? I mean, can, can you get them in stores and eat them like strawberries or blackberries? Are they grown around here? That's a good question. Elderberries are prolific in Louisiana and we actually get two seasons where elder, where the elder plant flowers and fruits. It It'll flower and fruit in um, May and June, yeah. and then it'll flower again in November and fruit again in December. There are um, agricultural initiatives. One is being done in Maine. Another one's being done in Missouri, and uh, there's a group called Wildwood Cellars that has developed a American variety of elderberry um, to be consumed here in America um, that's a lot more like the European elderberry that has all the clinical research behind it. But yes, they grow they grow all over the place and people think they're weeds. So, <laughs> but they're a tiny, tiny little purple berry mm -hmm. and they grow in a cluster. So they have like a white flower, like a Queen Anne's lace, and then they'll turn from a white flower to a green berry, a red berry, and then a, a purple berry. And that's when you can that's when you can harvest them. Do they taste good? They don't taste really great by themselves. They're kind of bitter. And uh, so most of the time when I would tell people that I was making elderberry syrup when I first started at the Dunham Springs Farmer's Market, the only people who knew what an elderberry was were 60 years old and older. And they would say, my meemaw made jelly with elderberries. I know what an elderberry wine. is. Yes, my papaw made wine. Mm -hmm. And so it's really that traditional type of a go into your yard, get what's growing. We'll put it in a pie or we'll put it in a jar or we'll put it in a make it a wine and we'll preserve it and we'll use it for our food. Um, it's really just been within the last 100 or 150 years yeah. that those types of things have kind of gone by the wayside. But I believe that the stigma of using plants and culinary herbs and medicinal herbs um, is is just is, is falling it's off It's diminishing, at a rapid absolutely. Rate. Right. I, I and do there's growing that. acceptance of that. You're listening to Out to Lunch. I'm Stephanie Regal. I'm talking to Andrea Layerly of Andy Lynn's Pure and Custom Formulary and Emily Deegan of St. Hugh. 
So how big are y'all's companies respectively? Emily, what kind of reach do you have? And, and you sell online only, not in brick and mortars. Yeah, we find that we're able to bring more value to our consumers while keeping prices reasonable uh, by just selling direct to consumer. And that way we're able to just invest a little bit more in our products and keep production in America um, while keeping prices a little bit lower than we might otherwise be able to. So we sell online, as you noted, through our website. It's S-A-I-N-T-H-U-G-H dot C-O. We also sell on Amazon, so we've sold you know across the country through Amazon. That's been um, that's been a great portal for us. Um, when we first got started, I did a lot of traveling to hunting and other trade-related shows across the country. We went to South Carolina, Houston, Reno, Nevada to attend different trade conventions. Um, not traveling quite so much anymore, but through that, we were able to get exposure to you know different areas of the country that we might otherwise be able to. And, and who else is out there doing this? And what kind of market is there for the female hunter? I mean, I, have, has that market grown since you were a little girl and started? It has grown. Um, so there are a lot of major retailers that do have products for women. Okay. We differentiate ourselves because we don't do anything that's, you know, strictly pink. Um, we tried to provide some, you know, a, a bit of a differentiation to our consumers in that way by giving them something that if they want to wear um, a product that fits right and feels good, it doesn't have to be pink. It's something that, you know... I, okay, wait, I don't understand what the concept would even be between behind pink camouflage because how can you be camouflaged if you weren't pink, right? Right, so yeah, so that's a really good point. So, I mean, I, ladies don't have to wear pink. This is they don't. really that's, silly. <laughs> it is silly. So yeah, so that's our whole mindset as well. Um, so first of all, pink apparel doesn't work for all types of hunting. It doesn't work at all for duck hunting. It does work for deer hunting where bright colors are, you know, in some cases preferable um, just for differentiation. But you're right. So pink, the first, first instance, is not applicable to all types of hunting, whereas our apparel is. And secondly, yeah, we just don't want to have to make women feel like they have to wear pink if they want to do a sport they love. So what kind of volume do you do? I mean, how, how many outfits do you sell or revenue-wise? Yeah, so um, in our first six months, we did over $10,000 in sales. So that was a great start for us. And since then, we've been able to add more products to our line, um, including a pair of pants and some other products like these onesies for kids <laughs> and um, some other more Louisiana-focused products like we have um, a really casual pullover that says Meet Me in the Marsh. We also make... Um, like the similar kind of t-shirts for toddlers that say meet me in the marsh and would rather be hunting and those have been really popular sellers and so for it's us. not just gear for hunters it's any not longer. just gear nope interesting right. now andrea you have expanded beyond the elderberry syrup into other homeopathic recipes yes so how have you learned about this and are they all as effective as the elderberries they really are and i do tell people that elderberry is the gateway berry and once you <laughs> <laughs> once you start you can't get get off right <laughs> once i feel like when people realize that what we put into our bodies affects how we feel and that a very um, simple easy solution versus adding something to your diet maybe taking a few things out of your diet and adding a couple things into your diet is that kind of light bulb moment that says as long as I use this I don't have a cold everyone else in my office got it and I didn't get it all the kids in the daycare are running around with snot noses and coughs and my kids don't have that so it it gives people a 
kind of a, a newfound confidence to say, okay, well, what else can I eat? You know, what else can I put into my body? Well, these are some other health um, concerns that I have, or these are some other wellness goals that I have. So what else can I use? What else is out there? Um, and I feel really good right now. How much better could I feel <laughs> if I... So, if, can you, so you can take this prophylactically? Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, really herbs are the people's medicine. So it's not something that you have to go somewhere and sit in an office and ask permission and then they write you a little piece of paper and then you have to go to another place and ask permission to, like, buy it. You can go to a farmer's market. We have... Um, some fruit stands, um, fresh pickings, southern produce, south side produce are, are great locations. Get your fruits and vegetables and your locally grown produce and pick up your Andy Lynn's elderberry syrup. Um, it, it's very simple, very simple. So you have this fire product, which is raw apple cider tonic with ginger, garlic, and turmeric. Yes. I keep hearing all about turmeric. Everybody loves that. Um, I mean, all of these, these are just regular vegetables and, and herbs, right? Yes. Roots. Yes. And this, this combination, this formulation helps with what? Well, we like to say it is digestive support, uh -huh. it's circulatory support, and it's immune system support. And okay. that remedy is not something that I invented by any means. It was called Fire Cider by Rosemary Gladstar in the early 80s. But the history of a specific type of a tonic like that actually goes back to the bubonic plague and the legend of the Four Thieves. So the Four Thieves vinegar were thieves that were able to rob the corpses of people who had succumbed to the bubonic plague. And the legend, the story goes, that these people were brought up on charges and went before the judge. And he allowed them to go free for the exchange of their secret recipe of their vinegar. So wow. they were they were mixing up this vinegar, they were using it internally, and they were also using it topically. Um, the idea that we have about Purell now. They were using they were using it on their skin and then they were also using it internally and they uh, they didn't get sick from it. So we have those stories that were passed down from generation to generation to generation and now we have science that's able to say um, and give validity mm -hmm. like to the things like turmeric and to things like ginger and garlic where stacks and stacks of research has been done um, and, and published on the heart health benefits, the digestive benefits, the anti-inflammatory benefits of some of the active ingredients in those things. So cool. What do you have for people who can't sleep at night? I have a, and, and, and so, and that's kind of what happened to me when I um, made the commitment to grow the business beyond just a hobby where four hours a week I was available at a farmer's market and I'm providing these things and then the day before that I was making the remedies um, we grew out of you know we grew above cottage law when we had to go ahead and invest and, and um, follow all of the different types of rules that are set in place for food safety and product guidelines labeling and all those types of things. The commitment was really to preserve the tradition of herbalism. And that was kind of like why I decided to just keep going, keep going, keep going. Um, and um, one of the things that we have now is a pillow drops. And it's a specific remedy that I came up with some of them are traditional sleep support, but a, a few of the ingredients in there aren't traditionally used for sleep support, but they have a tremendous benefit. And it works. It, it's, it works amazingly well, okay. actually. It's, I'm sold. It, <laughs> <laughs> Do you
Do you all have advisors with your company? I mean, are you alone, for instance, Emily, or who helps you design and who's who helps you through the manufacturing process, which has got to be daunting, and right. the supply chain and distribution and all that? So Shipping. it was. It was a big learning curve for me. I didn't have any experience in apparel design, but I did know what I wanted in an end product, so I kind of worked backwards from there. Um, when I first got started, I worked with a manufacturing company that specialized in working with first-time designers. So in the, in the States? or Yes, in California. Okay. So I gave them really detailed drawings of exactly what I was looking for and to the extent that I could filled in specific measurements. And they had a really talented pattern maker who basically made my drawings come to life. That is great. Um, in terms of sourcing, thank you. In terms of sourcing, I just did a lot of research into different types of fabrics and textiles and uh, based on the end use and you know what I was desiring in terms of an end use, I uh, made selections that way and kind of figured out the logistics myself. And so then where do you have it manufactured now, your products? So um, it kind of varies by product for things that require um, you know really intensive cut and sew. Um, we've struggled to find a local solution, unfortunately. Mm. Uh, so you know California still kind of is where we're having things cut. So you and not China. But no, not China. Absolutely not all in the okay. States. <laughs> all in the States. <laughs> so that must make it, your products more expensive then. It does. It does, which is why we find value in cutting out sort of a middleman and selling direct to consumer. Interesting. Andrea, um, what about you? Where do you all actually manufacture these products? Now? Well, we have a um, we have a few different resources available to us. Some of the things we still do ourselves with a crew in a commercial kitchen space that we rent that's local to here, and then the other remedies that. I um, created that are custom formulas are actually manufactured for me now. So we're not actually slaving away over a hot right. stove morning, noon, and night. We are able to, uh, we were able to trust our recipe with a, um, with a company that was faithful to. Um, and they specialize in doing that kind of stuff? Yes, ma'am. Yeah. Yep, they specialize, they specialize in doing that kind of stuff and they really are, um, I've gone, I went through, I'm on, I'm on my sixth, I'm on my sixth uh, company that we're interviewing because wow. I, I've, um, I do have some consultants and advisors through um, a program called Nexus LA. It's at the Louisiana Tech sure. Park, Genevieve Silverman and um, Stephen Loy, Claudia Fanning and um, Todd Lowry are met them last year at the Baton Rouge Entrepreneur Week and so mm -hmm. they've been working with me and advising advising me um, helping me you know to kind of grow and go through the process but I have I'm picky and it's <laughs> <laughs> a good thing right <laughs> so you know I'm not interested in putting chemicals in my food and I'm not interested in using preservatives that maybe would prolong the shelf life and allow for a you know lower cost and easier manufacturing and longer storage times and things like that and I just flat said look the last thing you need to put in your body when you're not feeling good is something that's artificial so I um, you know I need to find people who are good at what they do but who will align with the integrity of um, our company and what we want to do with our company. Any any particular challenges I mean you hate to ask this question in late 20 2018, but I mean, any challenges to being a, f a female entrepreneur and a, and a young female entrepreneur? Did you get a lot of pushback or people who just like wanted to pat you on the head and say, that's cute, that's that's nice? You know, I think that a, <laughs> a little bit. Oh, um, good idea. 
<laughs> I, I think that as women, and maybe you found this too, I tend to get a lot of unsolicited advice mm -hmm. from people who don't understand what I'm doing mm -hmm. or what my vision for the company is. So it's kind of funny because, and I think that this is also just a function of the industry that I play in, the outdoor industry and hunting in particular, that <laughs> yeah. at a lot of trade shows, you know, I'd have a table set up and I'd be talking about my products and people would come up and say like, oh, that's nice. Well, have you thought about this? I know you haven't thought about that. And it's like, well, I don't know why you would assume that just based on the fact that I'm young and I'm doing this and I'm a woman and, you know, right. kind of a more male dominated sphere. And it's, that happens sometimes, but, you know, I just... I don't listen to it, and I just let it roll off my back. Mm -hmm. Well, that's good. Mm -hmm. You laugh. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I do. I think it's funny, especially, I mean, what's the saying? Like, you really don't understand something. You really don't understand a person until you've walked a mile in their shoes. And I think that I would just love for the all of these people who were like, you know what you should do? Do you know what you should do? I would love yeah. to say, why don't you wake up with me at 4.30 and hop in my pocket and let's go. And then, you know, and, and then at the end of the day, you come to me and say to me, you know what you should do? And, 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 <laughs> that's, that's what I would love. And I will say, too, that um, if I can, for female entrepreneurs, people who have a business or have just started a business, go with it. Put yourself out there. Don't be afraid to just do what you're doing. And people are going to have comments and people are going to try to copy you and people are going to roll their eyes at you and it doesn't even matter. Like, do what you are passionate about and then be smart and ask for help. Look for resources and be willing to get advice and take advice from people who actually know what they're talking about and then let the rest of it like not to use a like hunt but like water off a duck's back like let the rest <laughs> she said so many great expressions just like in this one one answer i want to like write them all down let, you know just let it roll off because i think people they want it they don't they mean well but they have no clue what you do every day. Absolutely. And, you know, so it's like, just let it roll off. And, okay, thank you. Oh, that's a neat idea. Have you ever thought about doing that? <laughs> uh, you know, and what, it's like, you know, why don't you try? That is <laughs> so true. Yeah, I couldn't agree more with everything you just said. There is definitely a lot of resilience that comes with being an entrepreneur and that ability to just say, okay, like, thank you. Thank you for your idea and just kind of move on is something that I've learned and hopefully mastered in the last three years so well emily deegan and andrea layerly y'all are y'all are great it's always inspiring to see such smart creative entrepreneurs and especially young female entrepreneurs designing better healthier and more useful products right here in louisiana so it's been a pleasure to have you today on out to lunch thanks for joining me Thank you for, so much for having us. Thank you, Stephanie. My guests today on Out to Lunch have been Andrea Layerly of Andy Lynn's Pure and Custom Formulary and Emily Deegan of St. Hugh. You can find out more about Andy Lynn's Pure and Custom Formulary and St. Hugh by going to our website, itsbatonrouge.la. The producer of our show is Grant Morris. Our technical producer is Eric Merle. Our associate producer is Peter Raschuti. And our Baton Rouge business consultants are Charlie D'Agostino and Ann Edelman. If you want to know what we all look like, you can find photos from this show on our website, itsbatonrouge.la, and on our It's Baton Rouge Facebook page. These photos were taken by Carrie Hosford. You can find more of Carrie's photos at carriehosford.com. You can hear this show and past episodes of Out to Lunch wherever you get podcasts, including Spotify and at itsbatonrouge.la. 
Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting for its BatonRouge.LA and WRKF 89.3 FM. I'm Stephanie Regal. Thanks for joining me. I look forward to meeting you again next week around the table here at Mansur's for more business Baton Rouge style on Out to Lunch. Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com and by Hancock Whitney. Hancock Whitney is here for families, here for businesses, here for communities during this challenging time. Visit HancockWhitney.com slash COVID-19 for the latest. And by... Shorten Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas. Mitchell Foreman wrote and performs all the music on Out to Lunch. You can hear Mitchell's music anywhere great jazz is sold or streamed and at MitchellForeman.com.